First of all, you're very, very welcome. It's lovely to see some, some familiar faces visiting us again. You're very welcome. If you are new, you are visiting, do uh, fill out one of these green Connect cards in one of the uh, black pouches on one of the chairs in front of you. You'll see one of these. Please, please do take the time to fill that out. A few details about yourself. Hand it into uh, our amazing PA team there at the back on their fourth donut of the day. And, um, and we'll get in touch with you. We'd love to connect with you and let you know a little bit more about who we are and uh, why we do church the way we do and all of that kind of stuff. Over the past few weeks, if you've, if you've been here with us, we've been looking at how it is that we handle our hearts with hope in the midst of, in the midst of life's difficulties and in the midst of life's challenges. How is it? How is it that we learn to live with, um, with peace in our hearts, the peace that Jesus calls us to live with, when we realize, when we recognize that what Jesus said in John chapter 16 is true, that in this life you will have trouble? This morning I want us to uh, carry on with that. So if you've got a Bible, turn with me to um, Ephesians chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, there are some up here at the front. Uh, there should be some at the back. Now, in a, in a previous incarnation, I was the, uh, the proud owner of a, a pretty old-school um, uh, BMW soft top. Um, yeah, it wasn't a midlife crisis. I was too young. Um, <laughs> I, I was still too young. Thank you. Jez liked it. Um, you liked it, didn't you, Jez? It was pretty cranky. It was pretty moldy. It was pretty um, hopeless. I quite, li- I quite liked it, actually. Um, one morning, I remember I was on my way to work, and it was a really, really hot day, the day when convertibles come into their own, the one day of the year when they come into their own. Uh, it was a really hot day. The, the sun was shining. The roof was down. You know, the, the music was blaring, and all was well with the world. I mean, you can picture me there, can't you? The wind blowing in my hair, you know. <laughs> Picture the scene. <laughs> anyway, I pulled, up to, um, I pulled up to a set of lights at a busy junction and uh, waited, you know, patiently minding my own business for the lights to change, you know, listening to the Bee Gees or something the first time around. And, um, and then as the lights changed, I pulled across this, this junction, and as I pulled across this junction, the car, the car literally just died. Slap, slap bang in the middle of the road. Now, this is embarrassing on um, so many different levels, not least because of the sheer delight um, at my misfortune on the faces of, uh, well, pretty much everyone I could see. There's nothing quite like it when somebody in a um, convertible breaks down. Uh, the other problem is for me, I'm pretty clueless. This will come as a great surprise to you, but um, I'm pretty clueless when it comes to uh, all things automobile. And... Um, I had no idea where I would even begin to start diagnosing uh, the problem. Anyway, fortunately, the chap behind me, he took pity on me, or he just wanted me to get out of the way. I wasn't quite sure which. Because um, I was doing that thing, you know, where your car breaks down, and you get out of the car, and you're trying to push the car on your own and steer it. You know, that easy uh, thing. So he, he, uh, he helped me out. We got the car out of the way, and we got it to the side of the road, and then we opened the bonnet. And we did that sort of guy thing you know, sort of, you're looking at the engine uh, in a sort of knowing way, 
having absolutely no idea what you're actually looking at, um, apart from a dirty thing. And we, we kind of tweaked a few valves and touched a few sort of oily, greasy, knobby things and just sort of, you know, stood back and went pretty stumped. Anyway, after a couple of minutes, he said to me, um, you have got petrol, haven't you? And I was like, yeah. I was like, petrol, yeah, I, I, I've got petrol. And then it sort of began to dawn on me that I actually do vaguely remember seeing the orange light. You know that orange light thing? You know, it, had, it had come on at some point in, in the past, and um, I wasn't exactly sure when. So I, I kind of recognized that perhaps my misfortune could have been petrol. Have you ever felt like you've run out of petrol? Have you ever run out of petrol? I don't mean literally, obviously, but um, that sense of running out of fuel, physically, um, uh, emotionally, spiritually. You, you get that sense, that feeling of, um, of uh, you're kind of running a little bit on empty, you, that sense of running and feeling spent. Do you want me to play? No, good. I won't. Um, you're feeling tired, you're feeling frazzled, you're feeling flat, you're feeling sort of a bit burned out, a little bit exhausted. It's, it's that sense of, you know, I just, the, the, the circumstances of life in this life, you will have trouble. Well, it feels like the trouble of this life has just been coming against me rather a lot lately. And I feel inundated by the waves of circumstances. I feel sort of overwhelmed by the challenges of life. And I think uh, one of the reasons that we uh, so easily and, and, and so often, all too often, end up literally out of fuel, I think it's because we, we forget to check the gauges. We forget to pay attention to the little orange light. We ignore that, that small but incredibly important light on our dashboard. Now, for us, uh, in the lives that we lead, the, the, the reasons for running out of fuel, there's usually too much activity, uh, too much work, too many responsibilities, uh, too many people expecting too much of us. We've got too many plates spinning in the air for too, kind of, for too long. Uh, we've got too many emails in our inbox. We've got too many things in things. And uh, too many people waiting on us for a decision or an answer or a response or, 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 or and that constant driving which is effectively what we're doing just constantly on the road it makes constant demands on our fuel reserves until it's not going to come as any great shock to us. until unsurprisingly we kind of run out we run out of gas we run out of fuel we run out of petrol um, but then there are things that life can sort of throw at us that, 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 that feel like they, they, they literally kind of drain uh, everything from us, almost in a moment. So you're suddenly, you're, you know, everything's going along, and suddenly you're plunged and thrown into a, a crisis. And it's, it's literally as if someone punctured a hole in your, your fuel tank. Uh, it, it could be anything. You're, you're suddenly, you, you find yourself at, at, at risk or you've been diagnosed with a life-threatening illness. 
um, or a loved one died or dies, or a, a relationship that you you've been in comes to an unwanted um, end, or you 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 find things at work, um, the the work is gone, um, bust, or your job is is has come to an end, and you suddenly find yourself out of work, and it, it's it's it. These things literally they feel like a punch to the solar plexus and you feel like you've just you feel like you've been winded. And all of the the air just literally has just been punched out of your being and you, you just can't get air. You're struggling just to breathe. So there's that kind of situation that can kind of just knock all of the life out of us and, and, and empty our our fuel tank. But but for a lot of us it's more like a sort of a slow but steady, constant leak. It's like we, we, we live actually in a, in a very pressurized situation, and it, it almost becomes the norm, and so we don't actually realize that it's pressurized anymore. I don't know, maybe you know someone who's, um, who's got a chronic uh, illness. It means you've, you've got to take them to the hospital. So you're back and forward, back and forward, back and forward to the hospital looking after them, caring for them over and over again. And it's just, of course you'll do it. It's, of course, it's not no question. But it's actually this slow, steady leak. Uh, maybe you live with or you have um, aging parents. You live with a de- declining parent. That you, you can see that gradually their life energy is sapping away. Or maybe uh, their mental facu- faculties are being eroded and eroded, eroded through, um, through dementia. Or, or maybe you've got a kind of some chronic health condition yourself. It's just this um, energy-sapping disease, this sickness, this illness that you may have had for years, and uh, it just looks like it's with you forever. And it, it's just this kind of drip, 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 and just as the fuel is, the fuel is running out. So, let's have a look at the Bible, because that's going to help us hugely. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, and we'll start in verse 16. Okay, uh, verse 15. Um, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Be very careful then. Be very careful then how you live, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this whole uh, problem of living life on empty, trying to juggle too many balls and, and, and keep too many plates up in the air, it's not just a modern uh, problem. You have a look through the scriptures. You see it all throughout the scriptures. Uh, you see a whole host of people with all of the similar symptoms, different reasons, but similar symptoms. You look at Elijah. Elijah's a classic example of this. Um, here you've got this, this great prophet of the Lord uh, one minute, and, and then the next minute he's showing all of the signs, all of the, all of the warning signs. 
that things aren't going well. He's complaining all the time. He, he, he's, he's exhausted. He's depressed. He's got that sense of, of being alone, of feeling alone, of wanting to be uh, on his own. He's kind of he's lost his vision. He's run out of vision. Uh, and it, it's all the symptoms, all the stuff that are associated with kind of running on empty. It's, you see all his stories all in um, 1 Kings uh, 19. So for us, if we find ourselves in, that, in a similar situation, if we find ourselves whereby um, when we're checking ourselves or the people around us who love us are saying, you're a bit grumpy lately, you're a bit irritable, you're a bit grumbly, you're a bit moany. Is everything all right? You, you seem or you feel um, increasingly discontented with what's going on. And there's a, an, in, an increase in cynicism. You become increasingly cynical towards things around you. If we see in our hearts that um, our hearts towards those people around us who are less fortunate than ourselves, those people around us who are lost, those people around us who are in need, if we if we find our hearts towards those people sort of shrinking and shriveling, that's, these, these are they're good litmus tests that, that things may not all be well in the fuel tank, that we may not have as much in the tank as we think. So what do we do about it? Well, have a look at uh, verses 15 and 17. Be very careful in how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not, be, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of God is. And one of the keys to us refueling, one of the keys to us um, having a constantly full fuel tank is, um, is wise living. It's living, living well. Um, Bill Hybels is leader of um, a very large, influential church called Willow Creek. It's in Chicago. And he says this. He says, most Christians, most Christians tend to pay attention only one of the three warning lights on their dashboard. You've got three warning lights, you know, spiritual, emotional, and physical. And he says most Christians seem to only pay attention to, to one of them. And he says what we do as Christians is we look at the spiritual warning light regarding our devotions and our walk with God and our, our current level of sin, you know, which direction, which trajectory is my sort of sinometer on, you know, is it going up or down? And if the spiritual warning light isn't flashing, it's like, probably okay, I'm doing all right. It's all right. I read my Bible. And what he's saying is that all too frequently if we forget to take a have a look at the other warning lights on the dashboard. You know, what, what's happening in our, with our emotions? What's happening in our emotional uh, warning light? Is that, is that flashing because our hearts are shriveling? We, we feel um, flat. We're feeling angry or irritable a lot of the times. We're feeling disconnected. We forget, so often we forget to pay attention to our emotional uh, well-being and the emotional gauge. Or we neglect, or we neglect the, the, the physical, what's going on physically, how are we doing physically. And what wisdom demands, if we're living well, wisdom demands that we are paying attention to all three lights on the dashboard. So the question for us is, are we living wisely? Are we getting enough sleep? There's something the Lord wants to do today about sleep. Some of us are not sleeping. Some of us, the enemy is robbing us of our sleep. And it's draining us in a way. It's a, it's a significant drain on our resources and our physical well-being and our emotional well-being. And it's, um, it's, it, it's causing us to feel like we're running on empty. 
And this, this morning, the Spirit of God wants to minister um, sleep. He gives sleep. He grants sleep to those he loves. And uh, the, the enemies assault on us um, at 4 o'clock in the morning. The Lord wants to send angels to protect us and guard us. And so if that's you, we need to minister to you. The Spirit of God's um, going to minister to that and change that. But um, are, we, are, we, are we getting enough sleep? Are, are, we, are we doing? Are we actually doing? Are we actually spending time? Are we really actually spending time? Not just saying that we are, but we actually spending time on the things that, that, that nourish us, that fuel us, that feed us emotionally uh, and spiritually as well as, uh, emotionally and physically as well as spiritually. You know, have we ever actually just sat down and worked out a list, drawn up a list? It's really simple. It's not rocket science. So drawn up a list of the things that replenish you. What is it that replenishes you spiritually? What is it that replenishes you physically? What is it that replenishes you emotionally? Do you have a list of those things? And then do you look at your life and go, actually, I'm doing the things that replenish me? Or do you have a list of the things that replenish you and go, actually, I don't do any of those things? That's not living wisely. Because the danger when we're running on empty is that we try to find some usually quick fix to feeling right again. We don't like feeling out of kill off kilter, and so we, we try to find a way back to feeling good and full. Have a look at verse 8. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. You see, it's when we're weary, it's when we get burned out. That's when, um, it's when all our gauges, when, when all those lights on the dashboard are flashing red. That's when we are at risk. We and the people around us, you know, we need to be looking out for one another. We are at risk of finding some form of uh, self-medication, some kind of anesthetic, some soothing fix that will just make it, it sort of strokes us. It's like, there, there. Oh, oh, I feel so much better. Thank you. I feel better. We just want to feel normal again. We just want things to feel like they used to. And, um, and so we go and find out what those things are. For all of us, they're different things. We're all, in this, it's, we're all in the same boat. We're all at risk of finding the thing. For each one of us, it will be a different thing, but the principle is the same. So some of us will go off and find someone to sleep with, you know, that's not our spouse. Uh, some of us will go and find comfort in the internet. Some of us will go and find comfort, uh, you know, on the high street, shopping. Some of us will uh, find comfort in drugs or drink or whatever. I mean, there's all kinds of ways of finding comfort. We're experts at finding them. They're just anesthetic. It's just... Medication, self-prescribed medication, just to make us feel better. He's saying, Paul's saying here, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. The, the, the word debauchery could be translated as, um, as dissipation. He's saying, don't get drunk on wine. Don't do that, because what it does is it leads to debauchery, and debauchery is, it leads to dissipation. It leads to waste. And it's the word, actually, that was used to describe the prodigal son, what the prodigal son did with his father's inheritance. He just kind of wasted it. He just wasted it away, frittered it away on, on, on profligate and wild and riotous living. Now, you know, um, we know that the Bible doesn't, well, I hope we know, um, I hope we know, that the Bible doesn't condemn drinking alcohol per se. We'd all be in big trouble if it did. Um, the Bible's principle for 
um, life, generally speaking, is, is not, is not, um, is not, broadly speaking, is not abstinence. The Bible's approach to life is much more about moderation. It's much more about self-control. And um, I can't see where the Bible condemns, you know, a glass of wine with, with supper, I hope. And um, the trouble is, is what we tend to do is we tend to find something that is good and then we take it to excess. Excess is our problem, do you see? A little bit we take too far. And so, you know, what if a glass of wine is good? A bottle or five has got to be so much better. I'm not convincing you, am I? Um, you know, if losing weight is good, then, you know, I've got to be a size zero or whatever it is. I mean, I can't just lose weight. I've got to lose every bit of weight. You know, if sex is good, and the Bible says sex is good, then sex with loads of different people as many times as is humanly possible, that's got to be the thing. That's got to be the best. It's not really what the Bible had in mind. It's not really what God had in mind when he created and designed all these good things. Uh, and so that's our logic and it's uh, our approach, but it's flawed. And um, any of you who've been around for any time at all will know from bitter experience usually that that is flawed thinking. Because any excess, actually what it does is it leads to waste. It wastes us. It, it, the excess of it all, it's a waste of money. It becomes a waste of opportunity. It becomes a waste of our talent. It becomes a waste of our time. It becomes a waste of our sexual purity. It becomes a waste of our mind. It becomes a waste of our faculties. The excess of it all, actually, um, the debauchery of it all is actually dissipating and wasting us. It's foolish living. Okay, so by way of contrast, what are we to do? We're to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the wonderful thing about being filled with the Holy Spirit which we talked about, we've been talking about this over the last couple of weeks, we talked about this particularly not last week, the week before, but the, the wonderful thing about being filled with the Holy Spirit and living life full of the Holy Spirit is that life with the Holy Spirit, um, rather than robbing, rather than stealing, rather than exhausting, rather than wasting us, depleting us, as every excessive indulgence that we uh, pursue and go after and hanker after does, the Holy Spirit actually fills us up. The Holy Spirit actually replenishes us. Rather than taking away our lives, the enemy comes to kill, steal, rob, and destroy. So rather than dissipating and wasting our lives, the Holy Spirit builds us up. He gives us life. He fills us. You see, the Spirit of God, when the Spirit of God is present, there is no diminishing. He doesn't diminish us. He, he adds to us. He replenishes us. He, he refuels us. He re-energizes us. He gives us life, life in abundance. Presence of God, the Holy Spirit. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he said this, he said, rather than depress your brain as alcohol does, the Spirit of God makes us sharper. He gives us more self-control, clearer thinking, better judgment, more wisdom, greater focus, better relationships, more pure speech. See why um, verse 18 is... So important, when Paul says, you know, do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, he's saying, don't, please, don't wasting your lives. Don't waste your time on something that just leads to waste. It leads to uh, depression. Instead, choose life. You know, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, as we know, he taught that it's not enough just um, uh, for us to simply uh, sweep the house clean. 
the house needs to be filled. Right? This is important. The house needs to be filled because otherwise we're at risk of finding ourselves in the worst place than we were when we started. Right? We just do a little bit of dusting. It's not going to do the job. We need to be filled. And we all know people who um, want to change and they make every effort uh, to change and to stop behaving in a certain self-destructive way. But if, if we're not being filled, if we're not filled, if we don't have Jesus at the very center, if we're not going on and on and on again and again and again and again, being filled with the Holy Spirit, at some point along the road, something else bad is just going to come in and fill that space, fill that void. And so what we do is we replace one destructive habit with another. You know, we go from, we tried that, we've overcome that. And then six months later, we try that. Then we've got to overcome that. So what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And let's have a look at this uh, more closely. Verse 18, instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. So this alternative to running life and living life on empty, uh, the alternative to finding all these quick fixes, um, to turning to these excessive indulgences, it, it, the alternative, Paul's saying here, the scripture says to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is a, a plural imperative, you'll be glad to hear, okay? And that means plural is for all of us. So it's all of you, that's the plural bit. And the imperative is, is be filled. Do you see? So this is for all of us. This is for everyone. Every single one of us. Every single follower of Jesus. Every single person who's given their life to Jesus. We are to be filled. It's not a, 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 an alternative extra bolt-on for the super spiritual. This is for all of us. You see, because it is possible to be a Christian and not be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? Listen to what I'm saying. It is possible my opinion, to be a Christian, but not to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It is not possible to be a Christian and not have the Holy Spirit in you. Okay? It's not possible for you to be a Christian and not have the Holy Spirit in you. But it is possible, I believe, to be a Christian and not be filled with the Holy Spirit. If we're children of God, um, it's only because the Spirit of God is in us and that we're able to Proclaim faith. The Bible says so. Okay? So it's only because the Spirit of God is in us that we're able to be adopted into God's family, to be called sons and daughters of the King. But we can have the Holy Spirit living in us and yet not be filled to capacity. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, that's the first thing. And the other thing is, uh, so this is for all of us. It's an imperative. It's a command that we're to be filled. And you also know that it's in the present continuous. Okay, so this is an ongoing thing. It's a go on being filled. It's not a one-off thing. It's go on being filled again and again and again and again and again. And Martin Lloyd-Jones says, you know, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because I leak. We leak the Holy Spirit. And so we need to constantly be filled. We get filled and we keep being filled. And what Paul's talking here, uh, talking about here in, in, in Ephesians 5.18, this is more like um, walking in a constant steady drizzle. Okay, I was talking about this morning. Like a constant steady drizzle um, of the Holy Spirit. Just simply for the purpose of, of living well, being refueled so that we don't run out of petrol because we're constantly walking in the cloud of his presence and the presence of the king's glory over our heads it is this drought drenching us in the holy spirit all the time the continuous fuel of the 
Christian life is being filled with the Holy Spirit. He's the petrol. He's the engine of heart. From him, um, we can do nothing. And what we do is we run on human energy. We run on human energy. And when we do that, what we do is we find out very quickly that we run out of fuel. And we end up with an empty tank. And we're parked in some junction in the middle of Roehampton going, I don't know what's going on. I've broken down. Okay, what are the effects of being filled with the Holy Spirit? Now, um, it's interesting, no, no coincidence, that Paul connects and describes and links the effects of living life under the influence of the Holy Spirit with living life under the influence of alcohol. Yeah? And um, that's because the effects of living life under the influence of the Holy Spirit are just as obvious to people as the effects of living life under the influence of alcohol. You know, you may have met some people, I don't know. But if you've met some people and you see them and they are three sheets to the wind, okay, friends of yours, maybe, acquaintances, and they're three sheets to the wind, you know, particularly if you're not three sheets to the wind, you know that they are three sheets to the wind. Yeah? And how do you know? Well, you know because they're telling you that they really love you, right? Again and again and again. It's all a little bit embarrassing. And you wish they'd take their arm from around your shoulder and move over there slightly. Um, their speech is slurred. They're generally talking kind of rubbish. Um, but that may actually ben have no bearing on the alcohol. Um, uh, they can't walk in a straight line. Um, there's an aroma. Yeah, you know, somebody walks into the room and you can tell where they've been by the aroma that hits you. The work of the Holy Spirit is no secret either. The work of the Holy Spirit has an impact. You can tell when you're in the presence of somebody whose life is influenced by and under the influence of the Holy Spirit, somebody who's filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, in a, actually, it's similar way. It's certainly the aroma, that sense of just presence. It's like, I'm, I can, there's something beautiful about people just filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, and the Bible says, here it says, it comes out in at least two ways. Have a look at verses um, 19 and 20. It says this, uh, verses 19, speaking uh, with each other with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and there are two things here. There are two things. The fruit, if you like, of, um, of people whose lives are filled with the Holy Spirit, influenced by the Holy Spirit. And the first is worship, and the second is thanksgiving. Two most obvious effects, two most obvious natural overflows and outcomes of living life under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Um, wherever, first is wherever you find the presence of the Holy Spirit, there is always going to be worship. Wherever you find the presence of the Holy Spirit, there is always going to be worship. Worship expressed, expressed through song, worship expressed through singing. Just worship. It's just a natural uh, byproduct. And when also you find the presence of the Holy Spirit, you find, um, you find thanksgiving. These things just, just a bubbling up and uh, an overflowing of thanksgiving and just, <gasps> oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Grateful hearts just overflowing with the grace and the kindness and mercy of the Lord come about as a result of 
the presence of the living God and the Holy Spirit, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, um, what's interesting here is that not only is the Spirit of God key to worship and thanksgiving, but worship and thanksgiving are also means by which, they're also keys by which we become filled by the Spirit of God. And so you've got these two things, you've got worship and thanksgiving, they kind of work in this secular, circular fashion. And so the Spirit of God fills us and refuels us, and as a result of that, we become thankful and grateful for his kindness and his mercy and his glory, which causes us to want to worship him. And so our hearts overflow with worship and adoration because of his kindness and his goodness and his grace. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And so what happens is we worship him, and as we worship him, we're giving thanks to him. The Spirit of God comes, and his presence comes, and his glory comes, and we get filled with the Holy Spirit. We get filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, and uh, because we get filled with the Holy Spirit, we want to worship him some more, we want to give thanks to him some more, and because we do that, he fills us more with his presence, and it's this, this ongoing thing. So, maybe we're here this morning, and maybe some of us feel a little bit like we're running on empty, maybe we feel like we're about to conk out, we feel like we've got nothing in the tank, and this is a time for us to make a decision and to choose that we're going to worship. This is the time to make an act of a, a, an act of our will, a decision that we're going to worship. Uh, it's time for us to come before the Lord and to say, "Do you know what? I feel so dry. I feel so empty. I feel so cynical. I have no idea how I got here. Because when I last time I checked, the tank was full. Where did it all go? Somehow, I've just got here. My heart's become dry. My heart's become cynical. My heart's got shriveled up." What I do know is that you are still God. I know that I still love you. I know that you are still the Lord. I know that I still want to honor your name. I want to choose to worship you. And what happens is as we worship, God's presence comes, his, his kingdom comes, his glory comes, and he fills us with his Holy Spirit. And that's what he longs to do. And uh, the more that we worship as a church, uh, the more that we worship as individuals, uh, the more we find ourselves living under his influence and being uh, filled with the Spirit of God. And you see this all throughout the scriptures. I'm just going to, there's, a, there's a reference to two chronicles, and I think it's important for us as a church. We've been talking about what the, what the, what the Lord is going to be doing over the next uh, period of time. And one of the things we've talked about is we believe that God is, this year we're going to see God's presence and his power coming you know, in a new way. And one of the things that we've just been sensing is that the, the old ways in which we've seen the kingdom come, the old ways in which we've seen God's presence and his power come, um, that it's, it's going to look different. And it's going, to, it's going to require us to have the eyes of our hearts and the eyes of our spirit open to sensing and seeing the presence of the king. But there's, um, there's a great example of this, and it's in 2 Chronicles. And uh, you've got all the, all the priests, all the, all the Levites, they're all worshipping in the temple. And what happens is the presence of God comes. And it says this, it says they were accompanied, this is uh, 2 Chronicles uh, 5, they were accompanied by 120 priests. priests. And they were sounding trumpeters, and the trumpeters and singers joined in unison as with one voice to give praise and thanks to the Lord. Accompanied by trumpet cymbals and other instruments, they raised their voices in praise to the Lord and sang, He is good, his love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud, and the priests 
Lord. The priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. That's what's coming. Get ready. It's coming. And as we worship the Lord, as we worship the goodness and the, the glory and the majesty of the Lord, His presence comes, and in His goodness and His glory and His mercy and His kindness and His grace, um, He fills the temple. This is the temple. This is the temple. He fills the temple with His Holy Spirit. And what happens is, is that we then, as we see and encounter that, we thank God and we thank Him. Um, uh, and there's so much for us to thank God about. And, and we become increasingly sensitive and aware to all the things that we're thanking about. Have you noticed when you're almost on empty or you're far from God, you can't see anything to be grateful for? It's like, why would I not to be thankful for? My life's a misery, a wretch, terrible. And yet when we're close to the Spirit of God and we're, we're filled with the Spirit of God, we're thankful for everything. Look <gasps> at that flower. Isn't it beautiful? I'm so grateful to that. It's the God making a flower. What a wonderful look at that leaf. What an amazing leaf. So all kinds of things. You just you look at things from a different perspective. You know, our, our, our bathroom ceiling's leaking again. I know. Yes. Seriously. <laughs> and my heart's initial response was less than good. Um, as I was not grateful for the guy who had done it and fixed it before and hasn't quite fixed it. But anyway, you don't want to hear about that. And then I felt like the Lord saying, yeah, look at it from a different perspective. You've got a bathroom. Like, just about. You've got a house. You've got a room. You, know, you, kind of, you start stretching this out, and actually there's lots and lots for us to be thankful for. Everything good, everything great, everything wonderful in our lives the love of our families, the church that we're part of, our health, whatever, that, whatever state that may well be, in our life up to this point, everything good, it's all come from the Lord. He's a good father. He gives us good gifts. And um, as we thank God, he, he comes again with his Holy Spirit and he fills us with his presence. So this morning, are we running on empty? Are we here and we feel like we're just a little bit exhausted? We're too much plate spinning, too much living on, on um, empty or nearly empty for too long. The Spirit of God is here. He wants to minister to us. Okay? He wants to give us wisdom for living, um, and he wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why don't you stand?